0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In these Sundays after the Epiphany, the Church provides us readings with, uh, with theophanies contained within them. And a theophany is, is a revelation of the presence of God. And so we have these readings that give us gospel scenes where the Lord is revealing who he is. In the ancient days of the Church, in the very earliest days, the Feast of the Epiphany would celebrate uh, all of the Theophanies at once. You would celebrate the moment when the wise men, representing the Gentiles, perceive who Christ is and offer him their gifts, acknowledging him as a king, as God, and as one who is to suffer. They celebrate also the baptism in the Jordan when the Trinity reveals himself as he is, the Father's voice from heaven, the Spirit descending as a dove on the sun, and the revelation of the Trinity at that moment. And they also celebrate what we hear in the Gospel today, the wedding at Cana, We don't don't necessarily often think of the wedding feast at Cana as a theophany, as a great moment of the revelation of who Christ is and what his mission is. We perhaps more frequently think of the wedding feast at Cana as one of the many miracle stories, among all of the miracle stories, another moment of Christ taking mercy on, on someone, taking pity on someone, and demonstrating divine power in doing so. We think of the wedding feast at Cana because of what it tells us about our lady and the way that she goes to the Lord for us, to request things for us, and to help us with our petitions. And we also think of this moment as the time when Christ, by tradition, sanctified holy matrimony, raising it from the level of what the church would call a natural sacrament, a sign of the divine presence written into creation, written into nature itself, before the coming of Christ, raising it from that to an actual sacrament of the church, an effective sign of Christ's presence among us, an effective giver of grace within the new Christian order. Just to run down quickly, what are the things we normally think about with the wedding of Cana? But it's much more than all of these. It is so much more than all of these. So much more. It is a revelation of the entire mystery of salvation contained in Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of all of these. Because what happens? And how do we know that it's getting at the heart of everything? Well, the first thing we know comes from that exchange between our Lord and our Lady. Right? Often we hear that translated uh, into English as... Sometimes, woman, what has your concern to do with me? And unfortunately, it's not a great translation. It sounds as though our Lord is really rebuking our lady for bringing this concern to him. It sounds like he's putting her at a distance because she's brought to him something very pedestrian, a lack of wine at a marriage, a lack of wine at a wedding. But it's something more than this. The Greek is actually, what is this to you and to me? What is, what's going on, essentially, is what he's saying, mother. Woman, what is going on? And when Christ uses that term woman, he's keying us into something else as well. That term is not used uh, in a pseudo-derogatory or dismissive sort of sense. When the Lord Jesus, and in fact the entire scriptures, call somebody simply woman, uh, it's understood as someone who represents all that God intended for Woman when he made male and female in the beginning, right? He's speaking to her as though he is speaking to Eve, right? When he says woman, he's speaking to her as, in her capacity, in our lady's capacity, as the new Eve, as the new mother of all the living. And he says, what, what, what's going on? What is, what is uh, what's the matter? And when he does say, you know it's not my hour yet, Our lady says, they have no wine. He says, you know it's not my hour. What does Jesus mean when he says his hour? Why does he care? It's not my hour. Does he just say it's not time to start the miracles yet? It's not time to, to, to go about this? I'm too tired to work a miracle or something like this? Clearly not. Clearly this is not what he's saying. When Jesus, especially in John's gospel, talks about his hour, he means the hour of his death. He means the hour of his crucifixion and death. He'll reference it later. He'll say the hour is approaching, or he'll talk about his hour. And that's his hour on the cross, his moment of of suffering for our sake and offering himself in sacrifice that we might have life. So when Mary comes to him speaking about this miracle, asking for him to do something, saying, they have no wine, our Lord doesn't simply say, Why are you bringing this to me? I would rather not work a miracle, but if you ask, I'll do it. He's saying something else. He's saying, perhaps we could translate it this way or understand it this way. He's saying, Mother, you know that the moment I begin this, the cross is inevitable. Mother, you know the moment I work this miracle, everything is set in motion and there's no turning back from my sacrifice on Calvary. You know this. O new Eve and mother of the living, are you asking me to begin my path to the cross? And no one answers. She simply goes to the attendants and says, do what he tells you. And Christ works the miracle, and we're told this was the beginning of his signs and the revelation of his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. But then what does he do in the miracle itself? This changing of water into wine. It's a changing of something natural into something divine. We should notice this. Whenever we mix the chalice in the context of Holy Mass, we pray, in loose translation, we use actually the, the, the um, oration, the collect from Christmas Day, interestingly enough, which is a collect written by Pope St. Leo the Great back in the 400s, which is incredible. It says, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who has humbled himself to share in our humanity. And we're understanding that the, the wine there represents the divinity of the Lord in which we will partake. And the, wine represent, uh, the water represents the humanity that he has taken on for us. And wherever we see water and wine in the the Holy Scriptures, mixed together, they're the sign of the Lord's blood. Whenever they're together, they're the sign of the Lord's blood poured out for us, with the wine being a sign of divinity and the water a sign of humanity. And so what Christ is doing is taking a very human thing. He's taking water in clay jars used for cleaning and turning it into something divine, into wine, into abundant wine, and into the best wine. And an incredible quantity of it, too. We're told that each of these six jars carries about 60 gallons worth, and they were filled to the brim. I don't know the last time you threw a party that required 360 gallons of good wine. I don't know how much that would cost, but please tell me whenever you have one of these parties. (laughs) (laughs) Send me an invite. (laughs) I will will join you. (laughs) But our Lord provides more than could ever be used and more than could ever be appreciated. Not only does he take something human and make it divine, he takes what we can offer and turns it into something we could never provide, that we could never give ourselves and we could never fully use and we could never fully appreciate. So considering all of these layers of meaning that are present in this one miracle, what are we seeing? The Lord Jesus on this day of the feast of the wedding of Cana, pardon me, at the wedding of Cana, not the feast of the wedding of Cana. I don't think it has its own official feast. But on this day, our lady tells our Lord, look at them. They have no wine. They have nothing left. They cannot provide divine things take pity on them. She means by mystery all of us. We've run out of wine on our own. We don't have it in us to provide the things of God of our own capacity. And our Lord, responding to her, offers his passion. And in his passion, he takes what is human, our nature, that water, our nature that he bears, and he takes it to the cross And in pouring out his blood for our sake there. Makes it possible for us. To enter heaven. And share in his divine nature. And taste the wine of the kingdom of God. In doing so he provides us a wine. That we could never drink all the way down. And whose flavors we could never appreciate fully. Namely. The life of heaven, the life of grace. And even now, today, we drink that wine in anticipation of the day when we'll drink it in the kingdom of heaven. How? In all of the sacraments. In holy baptism, we're given a share in his divine nature. We're given a share in divinity, as St. Peter tells us. And as we remember, every time we mix the chalice of Holy Mass, we receive a share in his divinity. In Holy Communion, We consume his body, blood, soul, and divinity. We consume a divine thing that we could never exhaust, that we could never enclose within our hearts entirely, but which rather consumes us and transforms us. And whose flavors, as it were, whose complexity and beauty and depth we could never possibly understand all the way through. And even in heaven, seeing him directly, we won't get it. Not all the way. We'll understand as far as we are able and we'll be overwhelmed with joy and with gratitude but we'll never exhaust the mystery. In all of the other sacraments, he does likewise. That's what the wedding feast at Cana means. That's what it gives us. It shows us who Jesus is, what it is he is doing for us. And it redefines everything for us. It tells us to what is true Christian marriage oriented allowing both man and wife, along with their children, God willing, to share in the divine nature of the Lord and to live in peace forever in heaven, receiving all that he wishes to give them. All of Christ's miracles are, are multivalent in this way, which is a beautiful thing because you know, St. John of the Cross says, Christ is a deep mine in which there are veins that we can never tap but it's good to spend some time with this one at least and begin to savor a little bit of what he has to offer us. So the rest of this Holy Mass, let's offer our hearts back to him in joy and gratitude, asking him to continue to purify us, to cleanse us of our sins and of our faults so that there might be more room within us to receive this holy wine of his own nature.